This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hollywood X Growth, and today I'm talking to Matt Hogan, VP of Growth Marketing at HG Insight, about the different levels of targeting and personalization you can get for your next ABM campaign or campaigns in general. I know a lot of people here listen, and they're they're targeting higher end of the market, but really, we're going to be exploring a wide range of tactics and also how you can map out the entirety of the market. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Matt, thanks a lot for jumping on. You bet. Thanks for uh, picking me. I'm excited to talk about it and break down that that title because I think a lot of that can be intimidating. And so my goal would be to give anybody in any role, any level, just some confidence that they can go start you know, being effective immediately. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I think a good place to start is to talk about some of the traditional data point, because let's talk about targeting, right? Targeting and personalization really originates from the data points that one has or an organization has. What what has been the traditional data points that organizations use for for their targeting criteria that you come across? There's a couple categories, and I really break it down into I, I kind of like six categories. So there's what's historically always been the case, right? Which is firmographic data. You know, where are the companies based? What industry they're in? You know, and that was really invented by DNB. 25 years ago, you had to go in the yellow pages still, right? Like it's this, this stuff isn't that old. The second category would be contact data. That again, that's, that's, even newer, right? And, and you think about contact data like that is the easiest thing to find, but that's you know finding titles, roles, right, personas, and that's really been made possible by LinkedIn, right? The making public of what people do, again, so something that's about fifteen years old, and then the next category is behavioral, so what they do on your website or what content they engage in or where they are in your funnel. So to me, the, the three kind of traditional historical would be firmographic, contact, and behavioral. So firmographic made possible by DNB, contact really coming through with LinkedIn, and then behavioral becoming possible through really the invention of marketing automation tools. And then there's become a new wave, right? The new wave to me is really exciting. And that's, I think, the first one which HG kind of plays in 
and was one of the original providers, which is technographic data. It's now evolved to technology intelligence, where you have you know spend data. So if you can find out how much a company spends on products, then you've got intent data, right? That's another kind of new wave option for people to consider. That's again hasn't been around for very long, and that's really trumpeted by you know the bomboras of the world. And then the last one, which I, uh, which is a company I came from, is really around cloud consumption. So that's a really unique option as well to consider. And so those would be the categories that I think about. And then there's kind of a best practice of how you go dissecting what's relevant to your market. Maybe, you know, when we're talking about these six, can we can we dive a little bit deeper into give a give a little bit of next? I know technographic and technology intelligence. That's very interesting. Intent data, cloud consumption. Can you can you give a little bit of a description around that as well? Uh, oh yeah, so cloud consumption data. So this is pretty cool. So again, like there's just with the innovation that's happening in the tech space, it, it, it follows that trend. And so what cloud consumption data uh, that um, intricately really pioneered, which was a company where I was the first employee. What we did is we analyzed how digital products were being consumed by companies. And then overlaid the traffic and geography of how those products were consumed. So if you think about it, I have a business that's based in California. If I have customers in Europe, right, Intricately was is able to triangulate that and say, hey, this company has traffic originating in Europe and therefore it's being consumed. And then able to connect the dots and say, hey, they are consuming AWS, right? They're consuming a Equinix data center or, you know, you name it product. So it's really, really cool stuff. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. My, my next question was going to be about what are some of the modern capabilities that have kind of surfaced for targeting personalization? You definitely touched on the, the technology intelligence, the intent data, and also cloud consumption. I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about cloud intelligence. You talked about how it was technographic data, and has now progressed to technology intelligence. Can we unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think where I'd start is kind of explaining how, how to think about personalization. So, you know, as a salesperson, you might be thinking, oh, I need to go personalize it based on their LinkedIn. That, that yeah, that is true. But personalization at scale becomes a big challenge. And so the way that I recommend companies think about it is kind of a almost like peeling back the onion and that you can personalize in its broadest sense from an industry perspective. The next layer would be from a company level, right? Okay. We're going to target the security industry so we can speak about security challenges. Then we want to target a security company. Then you could get into the persona. Okay. We want to target marketers there. And then the person cloud intelligence brings an entirely different layer in that if I sell a product that is integrates with AWS, integrates with Salesforce, I can now target companies based on what they're consuming, right? It adds another layer to that. And, and, that's, and that scales, right? That's kind of higher up in the, in, in the food chain. So it's easier to do personalized campaigns to a broader audience, right? One of the challenges I see folks run into launching ABM, right? It's just intimidating, right? You see these beautiful marketing examples 
And it's like, yeah, we, we say, hey, Matt, on the website, and, you know, we're excited that HG is viewing it. That stuff's just really hard to do, right? It's really hard to do. You know, I, I think customers I've talked to, right, uh, the, the, the top performing, you know, they might be able to manage 100 unique campaigns at once. So you have to think in broader strokes. And so if you're in the kind of tech world, technology intelligence or cloud intelligence, we call it, gives you a whole nother layer to paint a broad stroke, right? Where you could target businesses based on the product they're consuming, it's assuming that that fits into your ideal customer profile. Love it. I love it. And, and obviously this can be very effective for organizations, especially with Go to market planning, and I can I can kind of see this with with expansion into new geographies. Have you seen this kind of data used for for that kind of uh, activities? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the exciting things that I think it does is it gives you an opportunity to rethink your ideal customer profile, and, and that will is is really foundational for your ability to plan your go to market and to evaluate other markets. And so what I mean by rethink, you know, most, you know, I'll talk to a company, they'll be like, okay, tell me your ICP. And they go, we target companies, a thousand employees and up, they're in the software space and they have DevOps at their company. It's like, okay, let's set that aside. Always go, let's set that aside. Let's talk about how do people use your product? Okay. Well, actually we are a solution that integrates with Amazon and integrates with your Snowflake database and it helps push code X, Y, Z. We go, okay, great. Let's draw a profile around that. So instead of using your historical kind of firmographic, we go, hey, let's paint a profile of companies that are spending $5,000 a month on Amazon. They're investing in DevOps tools that helps them manage code. They're investing in data warehouses and machine learning apps that shows some maturity and, and, and knowledge at the company. Now, all of a sudden you've painted a new profile that is very unique, right? And that's, that spans industries. You're no longer locked into a traditional industry, right? And you think about just, again, back on the innovation, right? There's, you know, SaaS products for any type of industry, healthcare, fintech, you name it, right? And traditional data sets kind of box you in. So by taking a slightly different approach, your TAM, gets a lot bigger. And so number one, I, I, it's a tremendous enhancement to your ability to be targeted and be more successful when, when marketing, particularly ABM. But if you think about expanding into new markets, you know, where business data is, is there, there's just way less integrity, right? Like, you know, the, the US with DNB, right? There's a lot more organization around sick codes and public you know, publicly traded companies, business data is easy to find. But the second you get out of kind of the main uh, commercial countries, it's not as well organized. So it becomes harder to spot companies. But if you look at it from a tech adoption or a cloud consumption standpoint, you start, you, you, your TAM expands, right? There's nothing stopping somebody from turning on a website, firing an a, up an AWS server and building an application, right? And so through those, data solutions, you can target them, you can find them. Maybe they're not registered in some registrar, you know, whatever that may be. Maybe they're not even on LinkedIn, right? Like, like you know, not every country, every culture uses LinkedIn. So so it really opens up your, your aperture. 
Yeah, it's very fascinating. I mean, you're right. We were talking about this to somebody about Japan of how underutilized LinkedIn is and and how useless the um, not useless, but it's just no, you can't really use it to the to the full potential. And and leveraging that kind of data could be could be absolutely amazing. And 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 I would imagine we have a lot of people from the APAC region or people that might be looking at expanding into APAC and how that data could be heavily leveraged in order to map out the the the, the way that one would approach the the market. Do you do you find that in in expanding to to new markets that's uh, that's definitely like one of the criteria of like hey where are we going to put our head office or where are we going to open up an office uh, in in the region? Is that is that the kind of data that you see people take leverage of? Oh my gosh, yeah, it, it's it's so challenging, right? If you're if if you're a company based in Australia and you go okay. How, how are we going to sell into the broader APAC market? Or if you're a US-based company and you need to go decide if you want to expand into APAC, like like you said, the, the, the Japan, the cultural difference, the LinkedIn adoption, that, that's, that's headwinds. And we all know the market's big, right? We know the market in Singapore is big. We know the market in Australia is big. But how do you go make a data-driven approach to your go-to-market there? How do you go find the target accounts and even build an ABM, some t- you know that's where this new data helps you, right? You can start to look at companies based on their cloud presence, right? Which is publicly available information, and it all that's required to identify it is a domain, right? So it's real. I think it's really eye opening. I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of big, you know, public companies here in the U.S. that pose that question, right? Hey, we are opening an office in Singapore. We want to have a center of excellence for the APAC region. And we need to understand how big is our market in Australia? How big is our market in India? How big is it in, in, in China? And we can't do it with traditional data. We can't do it with LinkedIn. You know, we don't, where do we go? And so we would step back again, we'd go through the ICP and then we'd go map it, right? It's, it was just really creative, honestly, a creative exercise. Love it, love it. Okay. Matt, I think the other question I want to ask you is when we're talking about data and segmentation and all that stuff, one of the things that happens, and you've touched on this as well, is it's super easy to get overwhelmed. It's like, what am I going to do with all those data points? Like, how am I going to how am I going to leverage this? Do you have any advice for, for marketers who are kind of looking at this, these sheets and sheets of data and they're like, where do I start? How do I get results out of this? And, and kind of feeling overwhelmed with it? Yeah, it is very easy to get overwhelmed. In fact, we, we were having a meeting this morning just really mapping out our nurture strategy. And quickly, you know, you could see everybody's eyes getting bigger because they're like, oh my gosh, we have to build 20 segments in two different nurture cadences <laughs> to personalize it. And like, oh, it's like, okay, how do you, how do you break it down to the essential? And so, you know, my advice, you know, number one is focus on your ICP and then your focus on your key personas, right? What, what persona is most likely to buy from your product, right? That's kind of like how you stay grounded going, okay, how do we focus on the essentials? And then the second thing is you got to MVP it, right? You've got to think small, how do we get some data in return? And so an example of that might be, hey, we want to, we want to do a 
broad stroke ABM campaign where we're targeting companies that are investing in AWS services because we we are a value add. Well, right away, it's very clear in how you write that copy that you can come you can go speak straight at that value add. Right? That's the exciting part about data is is you can you can you can really latch on to your value proposition and make it super specific. So if you're targeting, if you focus on your persona and then you just get that one campaign, I'd focus on the one to try to get some positive data, right? It's all about getting feedback, right? And feedback is data. And yeah, I mean, that, that, that's my approach. And I think, you know, as a marketing, if you're a marketing leader out there and you're trying to coach your team, again, try to keep people grounded because not only do you get flooded and overwhelmed, you could also get overexcited. And then before you know it, you got too much and you can't get <laughs> off, off the starting line, right? Like that's, that's, that's so common with marketing teams. So again, just staying grounded and then, or if you're, you know, you're in demand gen or something, you want to launch something and you want to launch something quickly again, just go, okay, who's our typical buyer? How big is my segment in our HubSpot? And then what can I do from a broad stroke standpoint using advanced data to do a, a personalized campaign? Matt, do you think it's possible? We talked about six different data sets where three of the more traditional, the firmographic data, contact data, behavioral then we talked about the technology intelligence and technographic data, intent data, and cloud consumption. Do you think organizations can jump, meaning that they might just jump straight to intent data, or they might jump straight to technology intelligence or, or, or cloud consumption? Or do you think, or like if somebody is starting, they got to kind of systematically go through those layers of data in order to build their the, the, the targeting that they want to do and, and all that stuff. What are your thoughts on that? So it kind of depends where you're at. And, and, and the reality is, is most companies, if you're a startup or, 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 or whatever, you're, you have forms and you're capturing, you know, the person's name and their email and their title. That's just standard. So most people have that contact data down, you know, from an, a, a, a firmographic company level, a lot of times that comes with that lead capture, but it's also pretty easy to find. You know, there's a lot of affordable providers. And then when it gets to, you know, tech intelligence like HG, you know, we offer the firmographic. So you'll find a lot of that stuff bundled. And then behavioral, again, is something that happens based on going live. Now, if I was a tech company and a SaaS company, whatever that may be, I think technology intelligence or technographics, whatever you want to call it, is an absolute must have. Right? I, I think that it's it's naive to not do it because it can help you be so personal. So, you know, it's like tactically, there's a lot of providers where you can kind of bundle that together. So it's not so intimidating. Now, let's say you have this data. How do you go get off the starting line? You know, again, I think uh, I kind of look at targeting based on, you know, industry, targeting based on persona. That's pretty basic stuff, 101 ABM, and, and you need to be able to do that. And then where I want folks to go is, is to the next step, which is technographic, right? That's still, it's still generally broader strokes, right? Like in the in intent data, I look at as kind of an optimization on that. So I would, I would address it kind of in that maturity curve. 
Interesting. Interesting. Matt, we've talked a lot about kind of targeting, data, personalization. Is there something that maybe I haven't touched on that you think is really important for us to talk about or, or we didn't get a chance to speak to in, in our conversation that you think I, sh- I should have asked? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of just some general general advice, right? ABM, right? ABM is this hot keyword, and that's because it's a, a marketing term for marketers. But the reality is your business needs to be account-based to everything, right? Sales has to be account-based, and marketing has to be in tune with those accounts. And CS also, right? You know your customers, and you have to be thinking about it the same way, right? And how you evaluate them from a, uh, a data standpoint and then eventually a scoring standpoint because that keeps the organization aligned right I, I think misalignment is is often triggered because marketing and sales are not focused in the same area and you know even at you know the scale of some of the companies I've worked with where they've got you know 500 reps there is a disconnect and so those companies you know they've had to go invest in BI, teams to try to bring the data together. So my recommendation, right, especially if you're starting off, you know, a smaller organization, 50 employees, maybe under 200, you've got to be account-based. It's not just marketing. Marketing could be more tactical, but in terms of strategically, how are we going to plan our go-to-market? Who's our ICP? What is our TAM? And then moving into what's our SAM, right? Your sellable addressable market, which should be basically your reps, your headcount, and then the size of territories you want, and that's a division of your TAM. And then you can work together on, okay, these are the companies we're going to ABM, you know, targeted to, and this other swath is going to be companies we're going to be do more broad marketing with, with in an effort to obviously engage them. Got it. Got it. No, thanks. Thanks for that. Did you miss out on our recent webinar on increasing your share of wallet with ABM and customer marketing? Well, not to worry, you can watch the event on the Xgrowth YouTube channel. And while you're there, you can check out our previous webinars and other events you may have missed. The link will be waiting for you in the pod description below. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay, let's do some rapid fire questions, Matt. Um, I got got a couple lined up for you. Um, let's, uh, Let's dive in. First question I have is, what is one resource? And by the way, if it's two, it's fine as well. But what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is, that has had a quite a profound impact in the way that you work or live. Yeah. Okay. So there's one book that has been really uh, transformative for my leadership career. And that is a book called The Score Takes Care of Itself. And it's a, a biography or memoir of uh, Bill Walsh. So Bill Walsh was a is a famous uh, American football coach in the 80s. And he coached Joe Montana, Jay Rice, and, you know, was, was really innovative in the sport. You know, the sport aside, it's his leadership principles that were just, uh, just incredible. And, and, and really, it boils down to setting a performance standard for your team, treating everybody equally, and really getting the buy-in, saying, "Hey, this is this is where we expect to perform, and if you respect that, you know, you'll get the utmost support by me and by your peers." And I just like, you know, it's just something that really, really impacted me. 
I love it. That's not that's not an answer I get regularly, so I'm going to definitely check this out. Yeah. The score takes care of itself. Thanks for that. Okay. Question number two. If you could give only one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? Focus on your niche, right? Focus on what makes you uniquely valuable and tell stories around that, right? Don't try to be, you know, especially if you're a startup, like nobody's coming to your blog. Nobody cares, right? It's, that's not, you're not out there to go change, you know, convince them that, you know, all, all it is about, you know, X, Y, Z that you're selling, right? Like for us, for example, we help companies with a go-to-market strategy. It's like, sure, we need to have content that tells people how to do go-to-market. That's not going to be how we're going to attract them, right? We've got to create awareness. And so that you've got, you know, how do you do that, right? Really think about what you're doing and why it is so unique to the market. And you can tell stories around that. So for us, for example, you know, we have this wonderful data set that provides an endless amount of stories. That's unique. Like how, you know, we do these market analysis and market reports and that really provides that aha moment and helps you tell, you know, a really interesting story across all your channels. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thanks for that. Question three is who are some of the influencers and thought leaders that you follow in the, in the marketing space? So in the marketing space, I've been a really big fan of Dave Gerhardt's content. So he was part of uh, Drift and him and Dave Cancel, who's the founder of HubSpot and Drift, had a phenomenal podcast called Seeking Wisdom. And then Dave's since gone on his own. I highly recommend it. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal interviewer. But you know what? what is so cool about the podcast space is you can find, you, you can hear from the people you want to hear from, right? Like, Go search for CMO of a company that you are respect or CEO, whatever that is. There might be a podcast, and and then you can hear it straight from them. And that's that's what's so cool. It, it almost becomes, you know, part of it. Obviously, you want to have great great hosts and, and and great production quality, but it's just so cool now that you can go get insights directly from the people that are doing the work. Yeah, very true. Very true. And, and it's just so fresh and, you know, compared to a book that would take like maybe two years to get printed and all that stuff. But that's great. It's great advice. Yeah, exactly. Last question I have is what is something that excites you about B2B today, Matt? Yeah, I mean, the part about B2B that excites me is the consumerization of B2B. And just it's funny you think about how formal B2B marketing historically has been and how formal it often still is. But the reality is, is it's all humans. It's all people, right? At these companies, they're, you know, and, and it's fun to think about that, right? Go, okay, how am I going to get this person's attention? And it's like, well, everybody's, most people are on smartphones, they're on iPhones, they're on Instagram, they're on LinkedIn scrolling, right? They're out, you know, they have their hobbies, et cetera. Like, how do you connect with them? And, it, and it's fun to think about that. And how do you tell stories? to do that and, and start to challenge the status quo. You know, something we always talk about, right, is like, why why does everything have to be forms? Why does everything have to be PDFs, right? Like, who you really <laughs> read PDFs anymore? Like, so just challenging the way you think and challenge it from the lens of, you know, from the consumer, right? How do you, when you get excited about something, how do you go consume it? You know, me personally, I might go podcast, I might go YouTube, right? Like, there's so much information out there. And I think, what I think is cool about B2B, right, is how do you take, how and when do you take that risk to to do those unique things? Matt, this has been 
an awesome conversation. There's a lot of insights that you've dropped and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of different points, uh, valuable points on on targeting personalization. And I also love the, the the rapid fire answers as well. So just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and really appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed thinking through these questions. And, you know, ho- I hope it's helpful. Most definitely is. Most definitely is. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.